1: relationship with people all of this is extremely important to victory in your life when you and i met jesus as lord and savior that day that you invited him into your life there was a plan that began to unveil for you god's plan for your life and it's described in many places in scripture one of those places is john chapter 10 verse 10 where jesus made it very clear he said the thief that's the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy The devil's agenda in your life or my life is to steal from us. The Greek word there is klepto. That's the meaning of the word is to take away what rightfully belongs to you. Someone else is invading you and taking away what is yours. To kill, obviously, is to put to death. And the devil does all kind of things to try to put different things to death in your life. And then to destroy you. The devil is a destructive force. He is a mess maker. He messes people's lives up. He never builds. He always destroys. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But then Jesus said this. He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Jesus said, the reason that I came was so that you could step into a life that is not just any old life, but it's not only an abundant life, but it is a more abundant life. To experience the more abundant life that Jesus has for us requires some decisions on our part. It doesn't happen automatically. There are things that you have to choose across your life journey, across your relationship with God through the years that will put you in position to be able to experience this. There are choices that you make. We've been looking at some of those choices, and one of those choices is the one we're looking at right now, the choice to say, whatever is in my life, I'm making the choice I will overcome. I'm not going to be a defeated one. I'm going to learn how to live in victory. I choose to be an overcomer. Because quite honestly, there are things in all of our lives that hold us back, that press us down, that hinder us from being all that God wants us to be. And so we have to make a conscious choice to fight those things and to learn how to be an overcomer. And I will tell you that if you will fight, you can see Jesus restore those things that the devil has stolen. You can see him resurrect those things that the enemy has killed. And you can see him rebuild those things the devil has destroyed. But it requires you being a fighter and choosing to overcome. Part of overcoming involves getting into the right position. No battle is won until you get properly positioned. You can be in a fight, and it can actually be the right fight, but if you're not in the right position in that fight, you will not win. Two things that you need to know if you're going to be in the position to be an overcomer. Number one, you need to understand that your biggest enemies are not outside of you. They are inside you. See, in life, you can position yourself for a battle outside, or you can position yourself for the battle inside. There is a devil there's no doubt based upon scripture that there is a real evil personality called the devil who is who targets you and me. You must remember that we don 't earth is not a playground earth is a battleground okay. in the earth, we face an enemy who is outside of us, evil forces that are unseen that are trying to work in your life and to attack you in certain ways and to get access to your life, the destructive work of the devil of stealing, killing, and destroying happens primarily on the inside of you as opposed to the outside. He wants to find a way to get in your life, to traffic and encroach upon your life internally. And I will tell you, he is very subtle and very tricky, and he does everything possible to find access points into your life, into your heart. by saying that I'm not saying that the devil is trying to possess you although I certainly believe that in extreme cases there are certainly people that have suffered and do suffer from demon possession but that's another topic for another day but for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ it's not about being demon possessed it is about having what we talked about last weekend strongholds of the adversary in your life that need to be evicted that need to be removed and all of us have them let me take you to this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Listen to Paul's description of this in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. The context of this is Paul is talking specifically about anger, but we could use a variety of different topics. We could talk about lust. We could talk about greed. We could talk about lots of different things that have the same application, but Paul in this particular context is talking about anger. He said, in your anger don't sin and be careful. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. This is, don't let anger hang around in your life in an unprocessed way. That you're not properly dealing with it and get rid of it. Why? Because this is what happens if you don't deal with it effectively. You actually give the devil a, say it with me again, what's the word? A foothold. We could also say a stronghold. And it's not as though you're demon possessed. That's not what we're talking about. Don't anyone hear me say that? What I'm saying is that the devil gets a little handle in your life in that area and he begins to jerk you around and pull you here and you don't even realize what he's doing to you. And he drags you this way and that way. And you find yourself in circumstances or thinking certain ways or responding in certain ways. And it's a stronghold that's been developed in your life because you haven't or I haven't dealt with certain things the way that we needed to. And the good news is Jesus knows how to evict the devil from your house. Okay, But you have to be involved in the eviction process. You have to engage in the process with him. And there is a way that this happens. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's referring back to Hebrews chapter 11 and the whole story of the men and women of faith that are described there in the chapter, the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I would encourage you to read about all those men and women. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, notice this, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it says in your life there's some things perhaps that are hindering you and there's some sins that are entangling you and part of what you and I need to learn to do is to throw off everything that is hindering us and every sin that is entangling us as I read last week it's referred to not just as hindrances but also as weights weights and sins that weigh you down that keep you from running the race of your spiritual life as effectively as God wants you to look at what Jesus said Mark chapter 7, words of Jesus. And then he added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Some things aren't necessarily wrong, but they're foolish, okay? Foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. See, there are all kinds of things that lodge inside of us that create challenging and tough and defeating issues for us in our life. And part of what we must do is begin to search these things out, become aware of them, and realize that our biggest enemies in life are not outside of us. Our biggest enemies are inside of us. I'm going to share with you a number of years after a number of years of ministering to people and counseling and walking trying to walk the walk myself in terms of walking with Jesus and learning what I can learn from him in my own personal life and trying to help people for a lot of years now I'm going to share with you 10 of the most common strongholds that I see in people there are 10 things that I've, wa- I've watched hinder people in their journey with God and these things happen in layers okay first one is fear I think it's probably the number one thing That limits people to get a fear. Now fear, you're never going to have a life that is totally fearless. You'll always have some level of fear. Fear is a part of the human experience and the human uh, emotion. But I'm talking about debilitating fear. The kind of fear that limits your life. The kind of fear that keeps you running away and intimidated from the battles that you need to be facing in your spiritual journey perhaps the best illustration of this that I can think of at the moment is in the book of first Samuel chapter 17 when Israel was being attacked by the Philistines and Goliath was the giant there and the Bible says that Goliath would come out every day and intimidate the armies of Israel and what would happen was Israel's army would run up toward Goliath and Goliath would speak intimidating words and the army would run away in fear and there are a lot of people who are running away in life they're running from their fears they're running from stuff in their life that intimidates them that keeps keeps them from being healthy and whole on the inside. The second one is insecurity. All of us have it at some level. But I'm talking about, again, insecurity that debilitates you at times. Maybe not all the time. Because, again, we're talking about layers. The stuff generally doesn't get resolved. And, again, one fell swoop. These are layers that happen. It's sort of like insecurity is feeling worthless at some level. And sometimes we feel worthless because words have been spoken to us at certain times in life that devalued us, that made us feel as though that we were worthless. And so it comes up in relationships with the insecurities that we feel, with the job performance. And there could be a variety of different things that happen, but there's a debilitating, limiting stronghold of insecurity in our lives that Jesus wants to evict from your life because it's stealing and killing and destroying you. Amen? The third one is stubbornness. You know that stubbornness is a spirit? You say, Well, that's just my personality. No. Stubbornness is not of God. Stubbornness and rebellion go together, and stubbornness and rebellion, it's resistance to submission, okay? And your best life is always lived in a submissive spirit. And so when there's stubbornness in your life, stubbornness puts you in a resistance mode, okay? Number four is rejection. It's a very common thing that happens to people. They go through life, they've been rejected by someone that's significant. That sense of rejection lodges in them and creates a sense of pain about life. Oftentimes they'll live in isolation at some level or, they'll, or they will oftentimes reject other people so that they don't experience rejection. There are all kind of manifestations of how this stuff works, but it becomes a stronghold in a person's life where you feel that you are, you feel less than whole. It couples with this issue of insecurity. And the next one is hurt. There are a lot of people that just walk around, they're hurt. I mean, they've got hurt feelings and they just can't get past their hurt feelings they're always hurting on the inside. Let me tell you why a stronghold of hurt is so dangerous to you. Because it'll make a victim out of you. You live your whole life anticipating being hurt because you've already been hurt, and so you expect hurt around you, and it causes you to live your life in a victimized mode, which is never a healthy way to live. It is never healthy to live as a victim. The next one is envy. Envy is connected to comparison and competition envy is always related to comparison or competition one of those two things comparison is i'm looking at my life in reference to your life And any time I look at my life in reference to your life, one of two outcomes will happen. I will feel better about myself than you, which is pride. Or I'll feel worse about myself than you, which is pity. And pride or pity are never the answer for anything. If I'm feeling better than you or superior to you, then that's obviously contrary to the love of God. If I get into a pity party, then it's not going to do me any good. And so many of us spend our life comparing ourselves with people. It is not good. Number seven. Idolatry. You say, oh my goodness, why is that one in there? I'll show you why it's in there. Because you can be a Christian and you can be idolatrous. Because idolatry is any time anyone or anything comes before God in your life. And listen closely. The devil will do everything he possibly can to get you to put Jesus in second place and put something else in first place. You don't have to put Jesus in tenth place the devil is fairly happy if you'll just put him in second place if he slips out if Jesus slips out of being front and center in your life and something else takes a priority a relationship takes a priority a hobby takes a priority fill in the blank, money takes priority whatever it might be that takes priority over Jesus and that becomes the focus of your life the Bible says that that thing that you're focusing on becomes an idol and idolatry always produces spiritual strongholds in your life number 8 is anger we live in a very angry world, and anger is a sense of hostility and our world is feeding right now on hostility. Let me tell you something about hostility. The devil loves hostility because hostility produces strife, it produces contention, it produces division and so when there's anger, there comes with it hostility, and hostility is fed on it you can it 's contagious, it gets spread around, and so many times we have a stronghold of anger. there are things that we haven 't conquered when it comes to anger issues in our life. The ninth one is bitterness. Bitterness is taking your anger to another level. It's when you want to get back at somebody. The second thing I want to talk to you about is this. We're talking about getting in position. Identifying the sources of your strongholds is an important step in overcoming them. is a basic principle of overcoming. The principle is you can't fight what you can't see or you can't identify. It's hard to fight what you can't see, what you can't identify. And to be able to be victorious, you need to be able to get to the root of these issues. And it's very interesting to watch the ministry of Jesus, because when Jesus ministered to people, he always ministered to them in such a way that he went to root issues, and he healed them completely. He didn't leave them partially healed. He healed them wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, because he got to their root issues. I'm going to give you quickly four examples of this we're going to read some scripture, but Matthew sixteen, twenty-two and 23. Peter took him aside, this Peter with Jesus, took him aside, began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling blot to me you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns let me set the story up for you Jesus had been with Peter and the disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi they had a great event there Jesus had asked the question who do men say that I am Peter said you're the Christ the son of the living God Jesus said awesome Peter blessed are you Simon for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father in heaven and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it it had been a a very good day for Peter I mean when Jesus had praised him when Jesus praises you that's a good day would you agree the problem was it went to Peter's head from everything we can see here because what follows on the heels of this is now they're heading out of Caesarea Philippi they're going back to Jerusalem and Jesus starts talking about what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem and Peter was feeling pretty good about himself and so Peter rebuked Jesus can you imagine that Because Jesus was talking about going back and suffering and dying and giving his life uh, for the sins of the world. And so Peter's trying to process this and Peter rises up in his, I believe, his pride, his arrogance and rebukes the Lord. And Jesus sees what's going on here. And he sees, you know, beyond the voice of Peter, there's another voice here. And what voice was it? The voice of Satan. Now let me ask you a question. Was Peter a disciple? Was he a follower of Jesus? Was he saved? Absolutely. But did the devil get a hold of him? In that moment, the devil got a hold of Peter. And Jesus went to the root. He didn't address him Peter. He addressed the spirit that had gotten a hold of him. And he said, you're thinking the wrong way, Peter. You've got in your mind the things of man and not the things of God. What I want you to see is there was Peter, a godly man... Yes, but a man who for an instant in his life had given a place to the adversary. Let's go to the next story, okay? Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Again, we're talking about Jesus bringing wholeness to people, getting to the root of issues. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him look at this crowd pressing around you how can you ask who touched me but he kept on looking around to see who had done it then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well or one translation says your faith has made you whole you've been wholly healed W-H-O-L-L-Y go in peace your suffering is over here's the story of a lady that for 12 years she had been bleeding so she had a physical problem she had tried everything possible to get well she'd gone to every doctor she knew she had spent every bit of her money trying to get better so she had a physical problem and now she had a financial problem she had no money okay But let me tell you something else that you don't quite see in the story unless you know something about the culture of the day. Because she was suffering from a hemorrhaging, bleeding condition, she was spiritually considered to be unclean, and so she could not worship as she normally would have worshipped. For 12 years, she was ostracized to some degree from her spiritual engagement. In addition, because of her unclean condition, she was considered socially unclean as well. So she had a physical problem, she had a financial problem, she had a social problem. All those things were going on in this lady's life. But she said, if I can get to Jesus, I know that he will heal me. So there that day, she came up in the crowd. She didn't want anyone to know she was there. She came in and just slipped through the crowd and said, if I just touched the edge of his garment, that's all I need to do. I'll be healed. And she reached out and most likely touched a little tassel on the edge of his garment. And in that moment, she was made completely well. She was healed. And Jesus stops it. Who touched me? And the disciples said, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's all kinds of people around here touching you. What are you? I, we're in a crowd. Of course people are touching you. Jesus said, no, no. Somebody touched me with faith. I felt power go out for me. In the story, what happens is the spotlight now. Everything else goes dark. And the spotlight centers now upon Jesus and this woman who now is kneeling at Jesus' feet. And Jesus draws all the attention to her. The very thing she didn't want, she now has. All the attention is on her. And the attention was on her because Jesus that day proclaimed publicly to her, your faith has made you whole. Which not only addressed her physical problem, it addressed her spiritual problem. Because now the whole crowd knew that she was back and right standing with God. It addressed her social problem, and she was made completely whole that day. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't heal partially? He goes to the root, and he does it well, and he does it completely, okay? This is the ministry of Jesus, okay? See, so you've you got to understand this. this is, we're not talking just Bible stories. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life, okay? Get to one more story. It's found in Luke chapter 13. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue... He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Very important phrase there. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, "Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness." Then he touched her and instantly he could, she could stand straight. How she praised God! But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There's six days of the week for working. He said to the crowd, "Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath." But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox and your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and let it out for water. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? So there he was in the synagogue and he notices something in that synagogue that day. Most likely you would never noticed before. And what he noticed was a lady who was bent over double. And she'd been that way for 18 years. So think about that. For 18 years, all she could see was the ground she could not see up. Now, here's, here's what I want to ask you. Was she a believer? It's not a trick question. Where was she? She was, where was she? What was she doing? She was worshiping, right? She was in the synagogue, and she was worshiping. Even in the story where it doesn't always say this in all these stories of healing, but in this particular story, it goes as far as Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. So is she a believer? Huh? Is she a worshiper? Yes. Is she a daughter of Abraham? Yes. But is she crippled? And had she been crippled by an evil spirit? Yes, okay, so you gotta see this, that even though she's the daughter of Abraham, she's a worshiper, she's got all these things going for her in her life, there was still something that had crippled her in her life that she needed to be delivered from. That she needed a touch of Jesus to lift her up out of her downward cast. To bring her to a place that she could look up again, engage with life again. She was stricken by a thief. One that was stealing, killing, and destroying a part of her life. And there that day, Jesus goes to the source and brings her not just a physical healing. He dealt with the root issue that was going on in her life that brought her deliverance. The key thing to remember is that Jesus wants to heal you. Holy. He wants to bring your life together holy. But you and I need to be able to identify the source of our strong goals. We need to know the root of stuff.
2: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, When we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the Teaching Ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.
0: This is WAVA's Dennis Williams, and you've probably heard me talking about our Experience Israel Tour this November 1st through the 10th for a while now. And you know what? I could tell you about it all day long because it's absolutely amazing and life-changing. Yet what will really change your life is when you experience Israel for yourself. Imagine the beauty of the Galilee, the majesty of Jerusalem, and the starkness of the Judean Desert. Come on, join us. It's life-changing. Experience it for yourself. Call me at 703-807-2211 or email me at dennisw at wava.com. It's long, over a thousand chapters. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.